you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority Podcast. If you've ever wondered whether building an online community can actually build your business, well, I've got good news for you. It can. And you're going to find out more on today's episode of the Author to Authority Podcast. I'd love to welcome Deb Shell to the show. She started her career in community building and business development after she was an active member in an online community that led her to quit her corporate job and begin living location independently, going after her dream of becoming a travel writer. But then COVID hit and the world stopped traveling. And Deb jumped online and started a new community to help people find calm in daily life. The launch of of this membership as a business strategy failed, but that led to Deb's consulting business. Since 2020, she has worked with over 50 entrepreneurs across the globe who all have a vision, mission, or purpose. These amazing creators have found a way to take those life works and help others solve their problems, challenges, and provide a safe space in an online setting. Deb has helped guide clients towards making decisions that fit with their ideal lifestyle, bring them additional income, and help them find calm. Welcome to the show, Deb. Thank you for having me. I'm excited and gracious to be here. So (laughs) talk about community. So Deb, this is your first time on the show. So what I would love for you to do is just take a few minutes and just share more about your story and how this all came to be. Yeah, so I live in central Pennsylvania and Here in, I would say, 2016, 2017, I was trying to figure out how to build an online business. And there wasn't a lot of resources. And a lot of people in my local community here were like, what are you talking about? Like, (laughs) it was really confusing to them that I wanted to like work off of my laptop and travel, which is now pretty common when we're talking about post-pandemic. But pre-pandemic in the area where I lived, it was not common. And so there wasn't anybody I could really tap into for resources. So Mm -hmm. I went online and I found this community and that's what they were talking about. So I joined the community. I ended up meeting them in person, flew to Denver, bunked with a bunch of amazing creators and a hostel. There's a whole nother story there, but um, (laughs) learned so much and ended up flying again to Mexico in 2019 to meet them to get really detailed in how I was going to build an online business and really focusing on my niche of just discovering a niche for travel writing, which was destinations of calm. And, you know, then, you know, I was working on portfolio and I was at a corporate sales job that I wasn't happy with. And then all of a sudden I was like, I'm done with this. I am going to make this job. I'm going to make this travel writing business happen. So quit my corporate job, walked out and said, bye boss, see you later. And promptly started to pitch publications January, February until March when the world stopped. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of where I started with community. And I was, you know, at the same time I was building, I was hosting these little workshops at my house with just friends and family to help them learn how to find calm, implementing different things like essential oils or meditation or self-massage, things that could help them just in the moment uh, when you're in stress. And I learned how to pivot that from in-person to virtual during the pandemic with the help of a couple colleagues. And that is how I launched and did over 30 virtual workshops in 2020. My plan was to launch a paid community because I had been learning all about these memberships and how you build sales funnels and, you know, launching a virtual summit. So I hosted a four-hour virtual summit with 15 speakers <laughs> and zero paid members at the end of that launch. Mm. It was not what I was expecting. <laughs> I had followed all the rules. I had done all the things. But what I realized my problem was is that I didn't have an audience. I hadn't established an audience, so nobody knew me. Nobody knew, understood what I was doing. I understood what problems I was solving for them yes. because I was just bringing people together, which is great, but I didn't have a focus. And no history with them. Right. Yeah. No connection, no history. They didn't know, like, trust you. Right. So basically you did this whole presentation and it's like people are like, well, I don't really know this person. Like... Well, the plan was I was leveraging other people's audiences and I was bringing in these experts to host these, to co-host these events with me. And the plan was for them to bring in people, but that never really happened. And they were already trying to struggle with building or doing something with their business. So it was more of the sense of, I realized I needed to focus on what I can offer. And at the same time, I was uh, taking a course on community building in, in May of 2020. Mm -hmm. And it was a five-week course and a couple of community builders after the course said, hey, I'd like to keep meeting and just like, let's talk about our communities and how we're helping them and building them and growing them. And I was like, well, sure, I can host something in my space. I'm happy to do that. So I invited them into my community and we ended up meeting for six months every week. And so the people that ended up showing up in my community the most were fellow community builders. <laughs> Eventually they said, Deb, you know, they're asking me questions or leaning in when I'm like doing these workshops and they're like, you should really do this and get paid to do this. And that's when I became a consultant and they started to say, you helped me in 20 minutes with something I've been stuck on for six months. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the that's when I started. It's the same way as a publisher. They'll, they'll ask me a question and I'll answer it in like less than five minutes. And they're like, I can't believe you just solved that problem. Like this was their, this was their biggest, hugest thing that was keeping them from publishing a book. And, you know, now don't get me wrong to them. It was big and huge, but when you've published over 20, 200 books, most things are not big and huge. Right. So it was like, okay, do this, 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 you know, send me a few things over. I'll check it out. And they're like, <laughs> really? Yeah. Come on. Let's get this done. Yeah. Time to publish your book. Because <laughs> you've spent more time in that specific yeah. topic, just as I spent time in the topic. And so just became really familiar with something. And I think most of the consulting is just, you know, knowing what you know, and then people that want to know what you know, but they don't want to take all the time and effort to learn it all. <laughs> they want to know it in five minutes instead of five months, you know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Wow, that's really cool. So when you didn't have the paid membership, so I'm assuming then you switched to a community at that point because you talked about having a community. 
Yeah. So I ended up continuing to do the workshops through 2020. And then I had paused the community in January of 2021. I worked with some community builders. We did a what's called the Muddy Mastermind, which was a 90-day mastermind to launch or relaunch an online community. And then we got strategy and feedback from all the other members. And so I did that as well. And basically, I decided to relaunch this community, but I relaunched it with the focus of it's for community builders to help them find calm because there's so many things out on social media and in marketing that are telling us just like I thought, here are the steps. And if you follow these steps and, you know, this will be the outcome. And I was like, I'm sorry to tell you that's not the case, but I'm going to be real with you and we're going to work through the challenges so we can help you find calm. Well, it is the case of everybody does what they're supposed to do, but we know that people generally don't do what they're supposed to do. <laughs> true, true. And we want, we want the outcomes a lot faster than what it really yeah. takes, you know? Yeah. What you said there is just, I think, you know, audience, sit with that one for a while. Yeah. When you're an entrepreneur, things never happen as fast as you think they're going to. You might as well get used to it. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, I have people all the time saying, okay, I just want to launch a membership next week. And I want to have, I want to average by six months to have 10000 a month in revenue. Yep. Not happening. Good luck. <laughs> not not if you don't have any audience to begin with. Like, well, or if you only spend a week on your launch strategy and planning and building your community. <laughs> like throwing everything together. I had somebody say, oh, yeah, we're going to launch it next week, but we haven't even started it yet. And we'll just throw some stuff in there and then invite all of our email subscribers. Even if you do have an email list, which is helpful, some kind of an audience, it still takes more effort to get them to come with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you know like community is something that i've been thinking about a lot and one of the things i thought about was you know how am i going to get people into the community and for me because i have relationships with people i'm actually going to just do zoom calls with people say you know all my network my friends you know my clients hey i've got something new going on can we hop on for 15 minutes just want to share with you and of course you know, if they know, like, and trust you, they'll hop on a 15 minute call. Let's catch up. I, you know, I've got some good news for you. Right. And they'll do that. And I think, you know, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes people think that community building is like field of dreams. They'll build it and everyone just comes, but it's not, it's actually a product and you have, you have to sell or market that product. And nurture the people within the community. The difference between like an audience and a community is audiences one directional and communities are bi-directional. You're asking people yes. to connect with not just you as the host, but each other so that they can use and benefit from shared wisdom with all of the members and what they bring to the table. Because each one of us individually has unique aspects that we bring into a space, whether it's a physical one or a virtual one. Yeah, so true. So true. <laughs> so Deb, I know you've come prepared to share about building an online community. So I'm going to let you loose for a little bit and then we'll have some discussion back and forth on it. Sure. You had mentioned about thinking about building an online community. Have you had any more thought besides just, I think I want to build an online community? Well, I know I'm going to build an online community. It's the when. And right now I don't want to give too much away because the audience will be listening, but working out something for the fall that's going to probably, maybe not the fall, but definitely early 2024 involve community. 
we'll see how it goes. I'm in the planning stages right now. So it's still things I don't know yet, but I am encouraged. I, I know I want to do research because I really want to make my community a valuable place for the people in it. So I don't run a rush to create a com- community just for the sake of creating a community. I really want to create a place where, you know, the people who join are going to get so much value and, and feel like, you know, they're part of the community and feel like they're gaining more than they're, they're giving. So I know that takes time. Mm-hmm. It's going to take research. I need to, I need to connect with a whole bunch of people and find out what it is they want. And then, then, Find the way to give it to them within the community. Congratulations on clarifying a little bit of your community, what we call the community concept, and talking about discovery and thinking about it in phases, which is what you kind of just described. So the basics, when I say community building basics, I think about we have an idea for an online community. That's your community concept. I think I want to launch a community about this thing, and this is how I can help people within this space. But then you have to get more clear around, okay, how does that community concept relate to the problems that they have, and how are we going to solve that together? And that requires speaking to them. And I think that's where a lot of my clients and people that I've talked to in the past struggle because they don't know who their ideal members are. And so that's part of the, the process of doing ideal member interviews, discovery interviews and talking with people you know, aligning your message and what you're hoping to accomplish in this space with their help and including them and saying, I'd love to hear what suggestions you have for this, because then you can go back and create that experience Mm -hmm. for them, whether it's co-collaboration. The other issue I see a lot of people doing with community is thinking about content specific communities. So Mm -hmm. course building, or having some kind of programs that have a lot of content within them. And while that is helpful and and great, if you want to build a course, it's not a community. And what I really have learned is it's not providing value. It doesn't have to be, I I give you all this content. And that's what a lot of people in the past have said, like, oh, I'm going to give you all this and this and this and this, you have access to all of these things. And that's your value. And what's really, truly valuable is that shared wisdom component which doesn't include any content, really. It's just talking about we have to have the right people in the room for the discussion that we want to have and create a community culture that is based on what you're solving in that community so that you can create psychological safety for them. And that doesn't happen overnight. So I'm glad that you are thinking about this long term. And what I typically think about when people are going from that community concept to the discovery phase and then doing some kind of like a beta small cohort or something Mm -hmm. small where they have just, you know, five, 10, 15, maybe 20 people and they test it out. And you say, here's what we're going to do together for this, a 90 day program or a month, 30 days, whatever it is. And that gives them a clear expectations. The clearer you are, the more easily it's going to be for you to convert people into something like that because they understand when it starts, when it ends and what the expectations or, you know, what's involved in it. Mm. So those are a couple of tips. I don't know if that was helpful. (laughs) Hopefully it was. Let's dive a little bit deeper. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, let's talk a little bit more about the discovery phase. So, yeah, you know, you're, you're sitting there, you're thinking about this. What would be, what would you say would be the first step somebody needs to take in, in terms of this phase of building a community? So I typically 
have people say, I don't know who my ideal members are. And then I would say, well, let's look at the network you have existing. You have an email. So you probably have people in your email accounts. You have probably have some kind of social media, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or somewhere. Um, and if you don't, then you could always start those things and start from, from a, you know, from zero and start sharing your message and seeing who connects with that message. But basically what we want to say is if you have a community purpose that's very specific, the more specific mm-hmm. you can be with that, people know that it's for or not for them. And that is solved in the discovery process when you're asking them specifically how they've solved this problem is how it connects to if this is a good fit as a community. Because if someone is saying, I want to learn Google Analytics 4, I was working on that over the weekend, so that's what came to mind. That's probably not going to necessarily be the greatest for our community because it's very technical and it would be like a, I'm just learning this on my own kind of a thing Mm -hmm. versus I need support for my business. And I just, I have so many questions about starting a business. And if there was a business community that was there and I had access to that with people who've been doing business for five, 10, Mm -hmm. 15, 20 years, now I have a pool of people who's already been there and done what I'm trying to do, who also really want to mentor or support each other. And that problem is one that you could solve in a community because they have so many different aspects of business that we could mm-hmm. sort out. Those questions are what you ask during a, you know, a call, just a casual conversation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like a specific interview mm-hmm. style, but just whatever makes sense for you and how it fits mm-hmm. for your, the way you best communicate, whether that's in a Zoom call or whether that's a coffee shop, you know, with a local yes. colleague, either way. Just having that, oh, so I know that you've been struggling with this thing. And I was thinking about, you know, doing a group coaching program around this mm-hmm. or, or a book study club or some, whatever it is. And what do you think about that? And then getting just their initial mm-hmm. things feedback, but also then saying, do you think people would be interested in really deep diving into this topic and maybe, you know, workshopping some things and working together in a group? Mm-hmm. Because and then you also you also have to ask them if they've been spending time online, because yes. if they're a person who never goes online, that they just <laughs> like, I'm old school. I don't want to do that Internet stuff like Facebook. If they're resistant to that already, whether or not they are just they'd rather be in nature all day, then that's probably a better fit for a, like an in-person yoga community or nature walking group like on Meetup than than it is for an online community. Just the same as a host, if you are not interested in spending time online, an online community is probably not a good idea to host because even if you think you're going to pay someone, they still have to like get the strategy and the structure from you and you have to teach them what you want to happen in there. So those are like some distinctions around let's clarify like what this is and then how we're solving the problem. But also let's get feedback from these people about what they want to do together. Like if thinking about this, if you're hanging out in a coffee shop together, are these the people that you imagine being at that table? Are these people the ones that you imagine going to a restaurant, going to, you know, out for dinner, Mm -hmm. out in a night on the town? Are you hanging out with, it's like thinking about who you want to hang out with. You certainly don't want to hang out with people that you're, that you don't necessarily like or something, right? So, you know, you don't want to have those kind of people because they wouldn't be the right fit. I love what you said about making sure they actually want to be online because I, I could just imagine that doing all of that research only to find out that all the people you were talking to don't like being online. Like that would just 
That would it would be hilarious, but you'd almost want to cry at the same time. And that's happened for clients because I, you know, depending on what kind of community or the challenge that you're trying to help, some things are just done better in person. Yes. And, you know, you could certainly create a meetup group or something where you have a way for people to connect virtually just for the event so that they know what's happening, but then giving them a way to connect in person, which is what meetups really great for. Well, we're going to switch gears here because you are soon to be a published author. I am. Yep. I just finished writing a new book. It's called Creator to Community Builder. It's going to be published in September and we're recording this in August. So it's shortly soon, as soon as I get the manuscript back from my designer. Yep. Actually, audience, this will be coming out. You're listening to this in October. So the book will have been launched. So yes. we'll, we'll give Deb an opportunity to to share a little bit more about where they're going to be able to find it. But Deb, this is the question. And I usually have a opportunity to prepare everyone beforehand. So audience, Deb has not prepared for the question you know that is coming next because there's a question I ask every single author that comes on the show. So are you ready, Deb? Yes. Okay. What has been the good, the bad, and ugly of getting this book ready to be published? Oh, we need another hour. (laughs) (laughs) You got eight minutes. The good, the good is that I have discovered so much more about myself through the process of like pouring everything in my brain out onto a piece of paper or in this case, a Google document. And then, you know, having somebody else, a, um, a developmental editor and then a line editor, you know, clarify these things, ask pushing me, you know, what does this mean? You know, those kinds of questions. That's the challenging part. The, the, I don't know that I would say bad part. I did have like some really, challenging experiences with collaborators in the beginning where I thought people were going to be more involved and <laughs> and everybody's like, good job, keep going. And then it was like, bye, see you later. <laughs> I thought there would be more uh, kind of back and forth with some people. But ultimately, I think the challenge, the bad is really about, there's just a lot to learn. Yeah. And you need to have a lot of money. Just in the case that like as a creator and as somebody who has a background in photography and writing, it costs money to hire creatives and, you know, whether that's a writer or a designer. And so when I learned really the magnitude of those costs, it was a shock. (laughs) And I was basically like, I need to figure out where this money is coming from because this wasn't a plan that I had planned over a couple of years. I basically decided last summer to write a workbook, which turned into a book book, which uh, then I had to like have people, you know, work through an editing. But I immediately did a crowdfunding campaign to try to raise some money and I did raise almost $4,000. So that was helpful. And I got some supporters and promotion around the book. But I honestly just wrote the book in about a month and a half to two months, the entire book, and then went through this editing process. And that was the most frustrating, ugly part, I would say, <laughs> was the the writing part process was pretty, once I like forced myself to sit down, there was, there was an instance where I kept doing everything else except write. Like I cleaned my house, I organized cabinets. I okay, just, that's like, got to be really bad if you cleaned your house. <laughs> Yeah, I did everything but write. And so I had like this big to-do list. And then finally, I erased the whole to-do list. And I just had write on my whiteboard. And I said, the only thing I'm doing is writing. 
because I can't do any of the other stuff. There's a lot of people that are, that give you all of the steps Mm -hmm. ahead and you really can't look ahead of like where you are. At least for me, that was the case. So I needed to write a book before I could think about promoting the book. I needed to do other things before I could think about where is it going to go? Like on the Amazon or how am I going to figure that out? But there's just so many things to figure out and the steps and layers. Luckily, I did have a colleague that has a community for authors and that person invited me in and I've been able to collaborate with his community, which was really helpful. And I could learn from other authors and how they've been doing things. So I think that was the best experience I had. I think the whole experience took way longer (laughs) than I thought it was going to as well, because I had it in my mind that I could get this done and I can write it in three months and it's going to be out there in the world in three months. And I just got some rude awakenings of how long people take other people, you know, it's on other people's time, time timelines and schedules. So those are a couple, I think that was, that was what I would say would be the experience, but it really did change the way I think about the world and it changed the way I think about myself in a lot of ways because I really learned, I do know some stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So just smiling because you talked in the beginning about, you know, how you can't rush starting a community and, you know, it's not something where you just go, Oh, I'm going to build a community. I'm going to have it done. Right. And you're saying all this about the book and I'm just like thinking, yeah, it's it's the same (laughs) thing as a community, you know, like, I find it's one of two things. People either think they can write and publish a book like in no time whatsoever and have it be a good high quality book, or they get so bogged down in it that they don't write it at all because it becomes so overwhelming. So first of all, Deb, kudos to you. You got it written. Huge kudos to you. You survived the editing process because there is nothing worse than getting the document back and all you see is red. <laughs> and, and you need to understand, I've written over 200 books for myself and my clients. And, you know, when I have an editor and when I send it out, now each book I do comes back a little less red, but I still have red. And I'm like, yeah. oh, seriously? Like, I want to be like that A plus student and maybe just see like a couple <laughs> little reds and. You know, but the thing is, is that your writing does get better the more you do it, but you're never going to have, you're never going to get an edit back without something because the good, that's what a good editor does. I'm very thankful because my best friend does a lot of my editing for me and she's an amazing editor for me and she knows me because she's known me with friends 35 plus years, something like that. And so she really knows how to elevate my writing and she gets me. Yeah. That's big and important. Yeah. I think too, you know, audience, when you're, you know, if you've written a book and you're looking for someone to edit it, first of all, put aside the money to pay someone well to edit it. But second of all, find the editor that fits with you. You know, like Deb talked about the research and, and figuring out that ideal client. But when you're looking for someone to edit your book, it's very, it's highly personal, right? And so, you know, don't just go with the first person, interview them, maybe write a blog post or an article and have them edit that first, because there's nothing worse than handing someone your book and getting it back. And they've edited it so much. It's no longer yours. Yes, that's a great point. And also, I would say the first editor I worked with was a colleague, but I felt that I still needed to 
look for someone else to help me kind of clarify. Mm -hmm. And I was on a call with another person through a networking group called Polka Dot Powerhouse, and they have what they call Dot Connects. And mm -hmm. so I was talking with someone through that, and she, I, at the last, at the tail last of our call, I said, you know, I think I'm needing a new editor. Can you refer someone? She referred this person. And then when I got on the call with this person, the energy was there. The like she just got me right away. Yeah. And she also was like really excited about the book and the yeah. title and everything. So from our conversation was really good flow. And I trusted and felt like yeah. whatever that invoice says, I, I'm going to work with this person because I know she's going to really make this book amazing. And the first line edit we did, there was a lot of red, <laughs> but she was asking me things to clarify because you think something in your head and you know what's in your head, right? Yeah. But not everybody's, but you, nobody's in your head. So you have yeah, to when like- you, When you put it down, like you've pulled this out of nowhere, completely out of context, you put it in your book and you totally get it because you understand the context. Right. And yet the person reading it's going, what the heck is this? Like, what, what does she mean? I got a lot of, what do you mean here? <laughs> or do you mean this? And then I'm like, no, not at all. So I ended up rewriting three chapters or four chapters, something like that. I forget how much I rewrote. And then the second line edit was basically where I got the A plus thing. <laughs> yeah. She basically was like, you did all the good things and you explain everything great. And there wasn't a whole lot of red on the second line edit because I had answered her questions and clarified what needed to be clarified but i'm you know i didn't have intention to go through line edits that, that way uh that's just how it worked out i was also yeah. frustrated that it took like a month for each one i wanted to launch it this spring and now here it's the fall and i'm just finishing up you know with the copy editing and that like a, a month ago or three weeks ago and now it's going to the designer for layout and we're going to do an advanced reader group here in a, in a few weeks but it's just been <laughs> long process and it's just like i said it's just like you're saying and i'm saying it just takes so much longer than you think because there's so much other than just you like if yeah. it was just me and i was an expert in all these things that i could have done all of this by myself maybe i could have gotten it done faster but i'm not so <laughs> i have to depend on other people and how they work and within their time frame so well to be honest deb when i did my first books back no i know 11 12 years ago now I had to do everything myself. I had no money and I had to figure it out. And to be honest, it was so frustrating, but it prepared me for my future career because when I started ghostwriting, I could do other things for my clients as well. But, you know, even now, like I can, I can do everything on my book. Now I'm not the greatest editor. I have to admit like editing and I definitely couldn't proofread because you can't proofread what you read yourself because it doesn't work. Cause after you've seen it 50 million times, you don't see the mistakes anymore. So that's a hint. Don't proofread your own work. Like, you know, obvious. Okay. You do proofread your work, but if you're at the end stage and you're proofreading for typos and all that, you've got to get other people to read it Yeah, because you do not see them anymore. Like yeah. you just don't. You that's become... a good point about writing and how writing is different than editing too. I think we're taught to edit and not to write is what I hear mm -hmm. from people. One of my coaches would say that. And so we're taught to like, edit as we're writing and instead just typing out what that's what I had to do is I had to take the spell check off the grammarly off I had to turn everything off and then just type so that those red marks wouldn't be there to bug me <laughs> and then I went back and like edited it because yeah. you have to get the information out of your head onto this paper before you can 
rework it or edit it. I've done enough books. I usually do both at the same time, but I've written enough books. I I can do that because I'm good at what I do. But no, in the beginning, just just get your thoughts out. It might be a jumbled mess. You can go back and fix it later, right? So yeah, the yeah. the first I got so stuck on that for like the first month. It was just I was just editing my work over and over again. I wasn't getting any further than like the third chapter because I just kept editing. <laughs> yeah, it's called analysis paralysis. <laughs> I didn't know there was a term until recently. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Deb. <laughs> so we are at out of time and. Wonderful interview. If people have in really enjoyed this, how can they connect with you? So the the book will be available on the website creator2 with the number 2 creator2communitybuilder.com. And then if you wanted to go to my website, it's called findcalmhere.com and that'll have links to the book as well. And the community that I've opened so I did close my old community back in 2022 to focus on writing the book. And I've just opened up a new community called Community Builders with Purpose. And that's for new community builders who want to get some feedback around their community concept or their community strategy with other community builders. That has been awesome. Thank you so much, Deb. It has been a pleasure interviewing you today. And if you're having me, Kim. Oh, well, thank you. If you are on YouTube, don't forget to check out some of our other community building podcast episodes. We have episode number 372, how to build, grow, and monetize your membership community. If you've enjoyed this one, you will have and you will enjoy that one as well. If you're on the podcast, just scan back again, episode 372. Thank you so much, audience, for listening. It's always a pleasure to know that, um, that you're there. So if you haven't done so yet, connect with me on LinkedIn, Word Ninja Kim, really easy to find. Send me a DM. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, what you like about it, what you'd like to see on the podcast. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary Word Ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.